The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 103rd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com, one word. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. But today I'm going to start off with something different because I had the pleasure last night for my event of the week that I attended to be at the Boston Strong concert at the TD Garden here in Boston. Uh to raise money for the marathon victims. It was truly an unbelievable night. Uh, It was a five-hour concert, and the victims of the marathon, uh, many of them now amputees, sat in the first couple rows right in front of the stage, which was, uh, I was up on the side of the stage, so pretty close to the victims, which I was able to just look at all night and uh, very emotional to say the least. And uh, the interaction with all the performers was just incredible how many of them went down either drawing or after their sets to talk with the victims, take pictures with them, what have you, comfort them. And quite a lineup, uh, as you may or may not have heard. It opened up with uh, the group Boston, uh, got it off to a riveting, loud start, to say the least. And then there was also uh, numerous other acts. It was an all-star performance, to say the least. Uh, Jay Giles followed up Boston pretty quickly, and then uh, there was... James Taylor and Carol King played about six songs, maybe the longest of all of them. Most of them played about three songs, so it was just remarkable uh, to watch those two playing some of their famous songs. Probably the song of the night was James Taylor and Carol King singing You've Got a Friend. James Taylor made it famous by singing it. Carol King, of course, wrote it. And uh, 
obviously perfectly appropriate to basically be conveying to the sold-out garden. The concert sold out in four minutes, by the way. Uh, that, that These victims have many friends. So it was just amazing to see. And then uh, other groups, New Kids on the Block, uh, led by Donnie Wahlberg, a native Bostonian, were absolutely fantastic. And Donnie Wahlberg was also a, a highlight of the show. Uh, just speaking personally to everybody there, it really, uh, what he was saying really worked. Jimmy Buffett, not a Bostonian, but certainly a Bostonian at heart, was there. He performed. And Dropkick Murphys, uh, uh, a true Boston band. And then the concert was uh, wrapped up by Aerosmith and Steven Tyler, who just brought the house down with their famous song, So All in All. Just an incredible evening. And, of course, it had a major sports uh, aspect to it, given the uh, passionate city that Boston is when it comes to its sports. Joe Andrusi, former Patriots offensive lineman, uh, spoke to the crowd and really spent a lot of time. When he was done speaking, he went down and spent a lot of time with uh, each and every one of the Victims, uh, again, many of them amputees sitting right in the first row. And Joe held, Joe has a foundation that held an event at uh, a place called the Forum, which is exactly where the second bomb went off uh, the day of the marathon. And many of you may have seen the picture of Joe carrying a victim. Uh, clearly runs in his genes, as you all remember Joe's Three brothers were involved in 9/11. Went into the went into the towers. Uh, his father was, I believe, a policeman. So, Joe Andrusi, good people. Uh, his teammate Max Lane, former offensive lineman uh, on those Super Bowl winning teams, uh, sat just a couple rows in front of me. And then, really, uh, for a sports highlight of the night was that Chris Berman, native New Englander, graduate of Brown of ESPN fame, of course, came out and uh, talked to the crowd, and he was with uh, Teddy Bruschi, Doug Flutie, and Julian Edelman of the Patriots. All three of them spoke individually. They were all terrific. Teddy Bruschi was, again, at the marathon near the finish line that day. Uh, he has a race, a team that races in the marathon for his foundation, his charity, and and Doug Flutie was just simply very emotional. There's no other way to say it. Uh, speaking to the crowd, of course, Doug is truly, truly the ultimate uh, native Bostonian. Um, he is, you know, part of the fabric of New England uh, in general, sports in particular. So, again, uh, together they spoke. They probably spent 15, 20 minutes out on stage, the, the four of them. So it was really... Amazing. I felt privileged to be there. Uh, one of the uh, most emotional and fascinating events I've ever gone to in my life, period. So moving on into <clears throat> the real world of sports is my highlight of the week is uh, really the postseason in both uh, basketball and hockey start with basketball. I think the Pacers Heat series uh, is a throwback series. It reminds me of, you know, 
the the bird magic era, shall we say, in the eighties. Uh, just physical, physical, physical. Uh, stars are performing, namely LeBron James and Paul George. Just amazing what they're doing. Um, you, you really tune into these games. You don't know who's going to win. It's great, great theater. Uh, game six in Indiana ought to be fabulous. The Heat, of course, won last night, so they're up three two. But it is really uh, a compelling series, as good as I've seen in a while. And on the hockey front, uh, these Game 7s, again, I've said it before, there's just nothing like them, especially when they go into overtime. And uh, so, yeah, uh, the San Jose Sharks, L.A. Kings, that was riveting. And, uh, you know, the Hawks... Black Hawks and the Detroit Wed Wings. Uh, again, Hawks come from a 3-1 deficit in games. Force a game seven. That leads right into my low light of the week, which was the disallowed goal with about a minute 50 left uh, in uh, regular time. Uh, in game seven, Black Hawks scored it. Referee coming up behind the play disallows it due to... Uh, uh, minor infraction on both teams. The the fascinating video with that, of course, is as the ref is making the call, you can see the Blackhawk fans literally erupting, uh, you know, behind him, behind the ref making the call and the two players colliding uh, near the bench and everything. So just again, uh, these bad calls are just getting increasingly... Uh, prevalent, it seems. Baseball has had a slew of them recently. Uh, the Blackhawks, to their credit, you know, bounced back and won it in overtime. Uh, but, you know, they should have won that game. They should have had that goal. Um, just not a call you make at that moment in time. Um, and it was, I would say, just simultaneous, if not just a moment before the actual goal was scored out in front. So, this penalty occurred way behind the play that was uh, resulting in what appeared to be the winning goal. And uh, they really didn't know it had been disallowed in Chicago like the live crowd until, you know, a solid 30 seconds, maybe more afterwards. So it was quite a scene. But again, justice was served. Blackhawks deserved to win. They did. Now we have the four conference, uh, the two conference finals with, interestingly, the last four Stanley Cup champions facing off. Uh, whichever one wins of these four teams is rightfully going to be called, quote, a mini-dynasty, so to speak. And if you take it a step further, the, the team that won it five years ago was the Red Wings. So, really, the last five teams standing were the last five Stanley Cup winners. So now we have the last four, Penguins-Bruins, and then uh, Blackhawks-Kings should be great, great theater. Uh, up here in Boston, we've waited a week tomorrow for the Bruins to play again, but them and the Pens is going to be spectacular series, I'm sure. Uh, people in Boston are ready for hockey. Uh, a week off is strange, it seems, but uh, these hockey players need and deserve the rest, shall we say. My bizarre story of the week is uh, the mess down at Rutgers, uh, specifically 
Julie Herman being hired as the athletic director and then coming under fire for some of her previous uh, stints in the world of athletics, former players making charges, uh, uh, somewhat similar to what got Rutgers in this problem in the first place, which is basically uh, abuse of athletes. So how this could have happened is just, in fact, beyond me. Um, if ever a absolute squeaky clean person was need to brought in, be brought into Rutgers as both athletic director and obviously the head basketball coach, uh, it was this situation and to have this now, you know, and I mean the governor and senators of New Jersey are having to get involved in this. So the damage has been done no matter how it turns out. Uh, whether she stays or whether she's fired or whether she resigns, whatever. I mean, you know, to call it a distraction is an understatement. It's just uh, how someone could have been hired to this position with, you know, even a hint of something amiss in their background, uh, given the Rutgers situation, is mind-boggling. There is no other way to say it. So we'll see how it all pans out. It is by no means, uh, you know, finished. Uh, and in fact, probably just get go, just getting underway here. It's been a crazy week uh, on that. So we shall see. But uh, again, just the fact that it happened is just incredible. So now, as my former co-host Lee Mont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert. A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Good to be here. How are you? Good, good. You're surviving the heat here in New England, uh, 90-plus degrees. I'm telling you, I haven't been outside all week. I'm I'm fixing to go outside a little bit later on and mow the grass and test myself. It will be a test. It's a uh, it's a welcome to summer moment. That's for sure. Sure is. Yeah, it is uh, steamy to say the least. Uh, it arrived yesterday. It's going to go through the weekend. So three days in a row over 90 is an official heat wave, and that is certainly happening here. So uh, you know, I I get. I never complain about the heat. I complain enough about the winters that that basically does me for the whole year for complaining on weather. And uh, uh, frankly, I kind of like it. You know, a little warm, but I kind of like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm with you, John. Anytime there's sunshine, I withstand the temperature. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, as I closed with my previous segment, one place the sun is not shining because it's been dark days for what seems like a couple of months now. Uh, Rutgers, uh, they've got another mess on their hands. No sooner did they get out of, you know, the Mike Rice mess that took down both Mike Rice, the basketball coach, and obviously the athletic director. Then they hire a new athletic director, and now her past is being questioned with alleged offenses not unlike what previously went on at Rutgers to create that firestorm. So knowing your college expertise, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what's happening now at Rutgers. Yeah, John, in this day and age, when you hire a search firm to vet the candidates and you come up with someone that has that particular blemish on their, on their record of abuse and you, you just, trying to get rid of the scandal you mentioned about the basketball coach. It's, it's, I can't imagine someone paying money to come up with that type of candidate. Well said. Well I mean, said. Uh, it just can't it, happen. It, and, it, I mean, it, and then some of the board members who are on the selection committee said that it was all in a rush. And but as soon as her, her name was mentioned as the candidate or was hired, I, you know, I Googled her myself just to, I was kind of curious, and all those things came up, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, one of the selection committee members said she was away in Europe and didn't know much about it. And I'm thinking, gee, if you just had the a little bit of curiosity and from your computer, you could have found found out about her background. So all these people are coming up with excuses, and it's just one thing after another. And, and I realized, John, that people change and can change, you know, 16, 17 years ago. But it, it just makes it very difficult for the administration and the governor and everybody involved with the Rutgers to live with this decision in this day and age when information flows so easily. Correct. By any and all accounts, 
some of this could have been obtained by a simple Google search that you or I or anybody else could do. It, it takes 10 seconds. You know, it's like they didn't see the forest for the trees or whatever. This, you know, whoever was in charge of vetting her, it obviously appears to be the search firm. And it, it yeah. just, again, boggles the mind. How does how do these things happen? Yeah. Yeah. I would be checking my receipt, John, from that search firm. Right. <laughs> And Absolutely. Maybe, maybe I can get a refund, and, and uh, that would be publicized <laughs> as well, because that's embarrassing if you're that search firm. I believe they're out of Atlanta. Right. That's one of the one of your clients, and that's being publicized all over the country. Oh, yeah, let's use the re- research firm in Atlanta. And everyone's saying, well, I don't think so. Well, exactly. And, of course, you know, it, it even raises up just a bigger question where, you know, the whole use of search firms and sports in general, college in particular, has, you know, risen dramatically as, you know, everyone's trying to bring more professionalism, if you will, or more of a corporate style to the hiring of college and pro sports executives precisely to prevent this type of situation. Right, right. Re- <laughs> you know? I mean, you're, you're, you're spending money that universities don't really have in some cases. Bingo. And, well and said. this is the result. I mean, it, it, it's, it's terrible, you know, a use of funds. Yeah, I mean, I can remember back, whatever, a few years ago when, I don't remember the exact situation, but I remember the first time I came across, you know, some high-profile sports job, where a search firm was hired. And I remember it was just a moment where I said, wow, you know, now search firms are being used for sports. And I, you know, and I say that only because sports is so high profile that it's like, you know, they never used search firms before because, you know, you always knew the names out there. You didn't need a search firm to go find obscure people. (laughs) If you had a coaching vacancy in football, you kind of knew the available candidates, shall we say, or the people that you wanted and you went after them. Yeah, yeah. You, you can look around. You can get in touch with that person's agent. Right. And, or maybe somebody on your staff was, was on that person's staff. I mean, there's all types of connections and referrals besides using a search firm. And then you would think that if a president of a university or the athletic director or someone, when the candidate is presented to them, you have these deep discussions now, are we positive that there's something you hadn't told us that we need to explore further? Let's let's not be in a rush. There's there's no sense in jumping to conclusions. You know, let's take our time and and be smart with our decision because it's like letting the toothpaste out of the dispenser. It's too late. Right. You can't unring that bell, no. to say the least. And you know, you know the part about like Rutgers. Being in a hurry, if you will, surprised me only because, you know, as soon as this started to break, I I was thinking like, you know, when you consider the absolute firestorm that this was a couple of months ago, all things considered, to the average sports fan, it had quieted down. It just had. And I I remember thinking like, you know, wow, you know, that kind of went away quickly as these things often do. So it doesn't feel like, I mean, it wasn't like there was daily news, at least that I was reading, that was maybe it was in New Jersey or whatever, but it was right. like, you know, when are we going to have a replacement? I was not hearing or seeing anything like that. Uh, and I would have thought, thought the prevailing thought would have been, take your time, get it right, <laughs> yeah, above all else. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, it's... Yes, it's a lesson in the sports management classes across the country on how not to handle uh, a particular hiring situation. Bingo. Perfectly said, because, you know, you talk about the growth of things that weren't there a decade ago in sports, and sports management programs are exploding across America, to say the least. One of the top ones is right here, you know, UMass, uh, but they're everywhere. So, you know, there's a whole generation now of college-trained students who have gone through sports programs that just simply didn't exist as recently as a decade ago, or which ones did exist were very few and far between. So, yeah, you're right. This is uh, it's going to be at the top of the case study list, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, and, and another thing, John, when she has all these issues, at least you, you think they would have met with her and said, okay, you're going to be asked these questions now. Give us the answers that you will be telling the media because they will broach this subject, all these players alleging abuse and the litigation that you you went through with the woman who became pregnant and she won a lawsuit of, I think, $150,000. So let's get some satisfactory answers with you before we put you in front of the media to make the announcement. Right. Well, again, because then, you know, I've done a lot of... another step where they faltered. Correct. I've done a lot of public relations. As obviously, I do media, and yeah, for them not to have covered that aspect of it. I mean, the, the again, the video, which apparently she denied, if I remember correctly. It's tough to keep it all straight. She denied its existence, and then again, it was just right there. I think on YouTube that <laughs> anybody could call up. Right? Am I right about that? Yeah, I mean, it's laughable. Somebody, somebody really overslept these right. last couple of days at Rutgers. Yeah, it's just amazing because, again, say what you want, but in this day and age, you, you have to have that media, PR, messaging component down. You just do because it really does, in 2013, in so many ways, carry the day. Um, and, and they didn't have that part down either. You know? No, it, it's amazing You know, being in that greater New York market. Right. I mean, you, you're going to be... Uh, confronted with issues all along the way, and you know from the the writers and the and the media people in that area. So you you better be ready with your answers, and they better better make sense. And you know no one's perfect. I'm not saying that, but all right, you you, you have to uh, you present yourself in a way where people can trust you down the road. It, yeah, and let me say this: this is not an indictment of Julie Herman. This is simply that you know. This particular job wasn't right, given her, given these alleged charges. It's just that simple. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to say she's not good at being an AD somewhere. Right. No. She, she came from Louisville, quite the athletic program, to put it mildly. But again, it's just a, it's a process question. It's not a personal attack on her. It's just that Rutgers is the one school that couldn't afford to, you know, bring her in. It's just that simple. Yeah, I, I think you're correct on that, John. Somewhere else, some other school, possibly. But right. I, John, do you think, I mean, when I first heard the governor getting involved, I thought well, that's not a good sign. But then the governor kind of said he was in a, he was backing the president. Correct. And that, and that, yep. The, the president is involved in this billion-dollar expansion of maybe a medical a school or something, something to do with medicine, I think it is, for the whole 
statewide system. So maybe the governor kind of just going to side with the president and just uh, proceed proceed with the, this decision. Yes. Well, obviously the president, you know, then let's just say, shall we say he didn't come out of the first situation with Mike Rice and the AD looking too good. And now he's, you know, being, uh, he has a target on his back yet again. Uh, it'll be interesting that, that, to see if he survives the situation because there are a lot of people are looking at him. Uh, you know, the buck stops here type of deal. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's no question about it. And it's hard to erase that memory. It really is. And, you know, we're coming up on our break, but my final analogy, if you will, is like, you know, you can say what you want about the Penn State situation, uh, but, you know, at least a year later, if you can only say one thing about that that's comparable to this, it's that it appears that they got this part right in hiring Bill O'Brien based on his first year there. And, you know, I just saw an interview with him on HBO Sports, Inside Sports with Brian Gumbel recently, and, uh, you know, and he was up here, of course, at New England with the Patriots. And, you know, again, you know, Penn State, (laughs) a lot you can say about that situation, but they had to get that one thing right, which was, you know, hire a a successor who at least was, shall we say, credible and, of course, had no past that could be called into question, at least up to this point. And, and they got it right as, as we stand here today. I think so, John. I agree. And if he stays a number of years and gets that program going again and happens to leave, you know, after he gets things going the right direction, you know, no one will, uh, you know, be mad that he had you know, left for a better opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely, and he had, apparently he had some opportunities uh, here in the off season with some of those NFL openings, and you know, to his credit, he stayed. He should have. I, I would assume that him making a quote long term commitment, i.e., more than one year, was you know inherent in whatever agreement was reached, and and assuming that he obviously honored that because there were, you know. Uh, openings that apparently he was being considered for but with that said it's time for our break and we got some more college discussion uh, on the other side your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. 
This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. I love Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., it was good talking, uh, you know, stories you just can't make up from the world of sports, college in particular, i.e. the Rutgers situation this week. And we have another one. That is getting a lot of play uh, today, actually. Just broke here in the last day or two. Uh, that being Ohio State President Gordon Gee uh, making derogatory comments about both Notre Dame and the SEC. Gordon Gee, you'll remember, uh, also has some controversial comments back uh, around the time of... Uh, of Jim Trussell, Terrell Pryor, all that tattoo scandal stuff and all that. Uh, So, again, this is a a very smart man who seems to, you know, every once in a while say the wrong thing. What are your thoughts on this? You cover cover Alabama, obviously, uh, the SEC, and he, he took a direct shot at the SEC. Yeah, John, you know, he was the former president of Vanderbilt University, so he's been in the Southeastern Conference. Wow. But but it seems that, you know, verbal jabbing is the leisure sport of the moment for the Big Ten. Their, their officials and their coaches, uh, starting with Gordon Gee, uh, you know, he's the highest paid president, and I, I think I heard was $1.9 million. So he's a smart man, but for some reason he – he has fallen in this habit of these ill-advised comments, and he's always apologizing. Uh, and to my knowledge, John, maybe you can correct me, I don't think there's any SEC coach or official who's directed any derogatory comments towards the Big Ten unless they were provoked. 
and, uh, and if you keep in score at home, I think the team who's apologizing the most is on the wrong end of the scoreboard. You know, that's a good point. I think you're right. You know, we, we certainly know that the SEC has gotten the better of Ohio State going back a few years ago, uh, you know, namely when Florida beat them in the national championship game, but that, that you know, which provoked an entire big discussion that's still going on to this day, of course, is like, you know, speed versus bronze, so we to speak. You know, the evolution of college football where speed, uh, as it is in the SEC, you know, obviously almost always these days beats, you know, what we think of, you know, when we think of the Big Ten and Ohio State, which is, you know, brawn and slower. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, that's necessarily the backdrop of, of his comments, but it is surprising since Vanderbilt is widely upheld as the most academic of all SEC institutions, tremendous reputation to say the least, and also, you know, had the record that reflected that, as in, you know, the smart school that didn't win as many games as uh, all of its fellow league competitors. Uh, so it, I, it's such a good point you bring up about him having been the president of Vanderbilt. Like, he should know better. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's if that statement is on the the pro or the con side of the argument. But, <laughs> you know, you know. I was thinking about this the last day or so, and you know, maybe they, they took a page from the famous book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And if you have an inferior force, you, you, know, you, cannot, you cannot defeat your opponent by the conventional method. Uh, your, your choice of strategy is to you know, antagonize them from, from afar and then retreat in the form of an apology. Correct. Correct. Uh, no, no, that's exactly appropriate. Uh, yeah, and you know his comments then about well, number one, before we just leave this specific part of the discussion, has the has anybody at the SEC responded in any way to these comments? Um, well, to your, to your knowledge, yeah, uh, Jim Delaney uh, actually, the Big Ten commissioner, he called right. the SEC commissioner Mike Slive and apologized, and. Uh, you know, they Mike Slive, he's kind of a sharp person himself. He he tends sure. to just let the comments lie and fester and, and make the person look bad. So he he's not much for coming back unless he, you know, just feels really strongly about something. But a lot of times he'll just let it lie. But, uh, the, you know, there have been some other comments by, you know, Urban Meyer saying that Alabama should have probably lost three games last year. So, and, and you know, then there's a coach from Florida State, Tim Brewster. He was tweeting the other day, you know, I've been in the SEC and, you know, bring it on. You know, he's at Florida State now. So that seems to be the pastime. You know, Bob Stoops a couple of weeks ago talking about the SEC is maybe not that good and, you know, not that strong. It's all propaganda. So I think it's a, a form of, you know, they fear their conference and they, they're kind of a, a slightly jealous. I mean, the new Arkansas coach, Brett uh, Billima, was the at Wisconsin before. So right. He actually came out and said, you know, the the Big Ten, we we were jealous of the SEC because they were winning. So he let let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Yeah, well, you know, again, and you bring up Urban Meyer. I mean, what a, you know, hardly a coincidence. I mean, I, I specifically talked about, you know, Florida, quote, upsetting uh, 
Ohio State back in the day. And, of course, the, there's the, Tebow was a freshman. Chris Leak was the quarterback. And, you know, Ohio State was pretty heavily favored, as I remember, in that game. And that feels like that really got the SEC ball rolling. Um, and here we have Herbert Meyer, of all people, now at Ohio State. And we're talking about Gordon Gee, the Ohio State president, making these comments about the SEC. So... Funny how it's all, you know, just intertwined. Um, it doesn't feel like a coincidence in many ways, does it? No, no, because there's too many. There's just too many. I think what we have at AP is just, you know, the old philosophy. I mean, they can't beat them on the field. It's been seven years now of SEC, seven years straight of SEC national championships. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, everybody is so frustrated at this point, specifically the Big Ten. I, I, what team has felt it more than Ohio State, really, the SEC dominance? And it's like now they're they're doing what, you know, often happens with human beings. You know, the frustration is building and just coming out verbally because yeah. it's not getting take, take, taken care of between the white lines. Yeah. You know, John, Ohio State, maybe it's the biggest university in, in the country. Maybe it probably Correct. is. Biggest but, sports program, yeah, it is. along and, with Texas for sure. Right, right. For, for, and for some reason, believe it or not, they seem to have an inferiority complex uh, towards the SEC. You know, with, you know, with reference to the SEC. I was just looking at some of the, the figures over the years, and they're twenty-one and thirteen and three against the SEC. But those numbers, um, you count ten wins against Missouri. Right. So if you subtract those ten wins, you know they have eleven wins. You know the uh, losing record against the SEC, and they've never, never beaten you know Alabama, never beaten Florida, never beaten Georgia. They beat LSU once. They're one one and one against LSU. They've never beaten South Carolina. Never beaten Tennessee, and you know they beat A and M, which was many years ago when they were not strong. Right. So that was in the um, in the heydays, like, let's say the '60s and the '70s, when A and M had trouble recruiting because it was strictly a military school, and there I don't know when they brought women in there, but it wasn't you know it was either just started to or it hadn't even done that as of yet. So you know they have they don't have the record, the historical record, to stand up to the SEC. So I, I guess that all adds up, and it's that that frustration it just comes out verbally. Correct. And, you know, one of the ironies in this, when you go back on Gordon Gee to the, you know, famous Jim Trestle, Terrell Pryor craziness of a few years back was uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, as we both know. And, you know, Terrell Pryor is maybe the greatest high school athlete ever to come out of that state in both high school and football. He basically broke every record in both sports for high school. And it was when he, I remember when he chose Ohio State, it almost felt like, you know, that Ohio State and the Big Ten in general had almost taken away, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So we're bringing in this, the best quarter, best player in the country who's basically an SEC style player coming out of high school, meaning ultra fast, you know, run, throw quarterback, exactly the kind that we're having success in the SEC. And, we all know how that turned out. Um, but, yeah, it's really uh, it's fascinating to watch. I mean, for me, I, I've been pretty fascinated by this whole, you know, Big Ten 
trying to, you know, compete with the SEC. I mean, it's just never ending, as we can see from these comments from Gordon Gee. It's just, you know, it's very real. It's big. It's huge. And, you know, it's and, and it's sure to continue because by every, you know, because the SEC's favored, uh, you know, to do it again, which is basically whatever, put four or five teams in the top ten and win another national championship, correct? Yeah, they sure are, John. And some people are saying that Ohio State is the other team. Oh, correct. Ohio State was undefeated last year, obviously on probation due to the tattoo scandal that we just discussed. Uh, So, you know, it was the quietest undefeated season you'll ever see from a (laughs) high-profile university, obviously. And But this year they are eligible. So if you had to stand here today and pick the national championship game, am I correct you would pick? Alabama USC or Alabama Ohio State, correct? I think I would. I probably would yeah, because I, me too. I don't think there's too many teams up there. The Big Ten, you know, Penn State's kind of, you know, come make a comeback, and Michigan, and you know, coaches relatively new. So, um, you know, I think Ohio State. You know, I believe I believe Urban Meyer is the best coach in that league. Correct. You know, there's no question in my mind. So he can challenge, and he's done great things already. So I think he, and you know, Wisconsin has a new coach. So I, I think they're the team to beat. Yes. And, you know, just going right back as our final comment heading into the break, I mean, you talk about the if you can't beat them, join them. I, I mentioned Terrell Pryor as a possible example. Well, what better example could you have than bringing in Urban Meyer, right? Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's the one who's won in the SEC, and and so he's from Ohio, and he went back home. So yep. he's going he's gonna to do some good things for that school, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt about it. Well, AP, again, great talking these uh, hot college football topics, and uh, we'll do some more of that on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. 
That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, why don't we just stick with our college football, college sports discussion and uh, follow up on a topic we discussed last week, which is uh, the SEC voting on the number of times uh, they're going to play each other. Yeah, John, they had a vote this week in Destin, Florida, at the SEC spring meetings. Uh, the coaches voted 13-1 to 1 in favor of playing eight games, eight conference games. The one dissent was Nick Saban, who was in favor of playing that uh, ninth conference opponent. You know, his feeling was, since we have 14 teams now, it's getting to be a divisional league instead of, you know, the SEC. So if you, you want to play uh, all the teams in your four- or five-year career, you can go to that nine and still play that one divisional rival and then alternate those those other two games, you know, 6-1-2 format. But so far, you know, for selfish reasons, some of the other coaches, they wanted to just maintain the eight games. You know, some need the extra wins with the non-conference uh, ability of four, you know, four extra games. Some don't care to play uh, another tough opponent because they're already playing. Let's say Florida State is playing Florida, Georgia is playing Georgia Tech, and uh, so that's the situation. But I think in a, in a few years or so, it's going to be the SEC is going to be forced to go to nine games because they need that strength of schedule with this new college football playoff format. So. Um, Look for that down the road, John, nine games. I don't know over the exact year, but I think that's going to happen sooner than later. And even the coaches who voted for the eight games realize that that's, in essence, what will be the the uh, you know the situation. So they kept the status quo for now. And, I mean, the truth of the matter is, as I see it, uh, is they're wearing each other out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they're just competing against each other at that high level. Every team's good. Yeah. Even Van- even Vanderbilt these days, as you well know, uh, right. every team is good. Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi future looks really good. So suddenly, what was you know the lower place teams in the SEC, they may still be at the bottom of their division, so to speak, but they're still excellent teams. Yeah, yeah they um, can upset you. You have to you know no play question. good games to 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 win every week in the SEC. That's it. So it just seems like, you know, they, my take on the vote is, is the, you know, that they clung to, you know, the, the final vestiges of, you know, uh, of just, you know, keeping the status quo because, you know, to add another SEC league foe was just, uh, at some point, that's going to start showing up, you know, like you said, like, you know, alluding to your earlier point about the official new postseason, at some point that's going to start showing up in the postseason. I, I think it hasn't for now because there's enough time off, even from the SEC title game to the national championship game. So, you know, they get enough rest after that, you know, rigorous league schedule to recover in time to win, mainly because they have the best talent. Right. Yeah, it doesn't become a war of attrition. Correct. Correct. I mean, let's face it. If it was the NFL and, 
you know, the national bowl games, national championship were a week or even two after the, uh, say, SEC championship game. I, I think there'd be they might not have won seven in a row. Put it that way. I, I think you're correct, John, because it's a, such a battle just to get to that championship game by winning in Atlanta. That's it. That's it. Um, well, you know, we, we've again, as we like to do, thoroughly covered the big topics in college sports, but there's lots of other big topics in this very, very exciting and what has really become my favorite time of year. And that, of course, is, you know, the NBA and the NHL postseason. And, you know, the NBA, I talked about, you know, the compelling Heat Pacers series, which is just really, uh, in my mind, a throwback to <clears throat> kind of the physical series we got used to with the NBA in the, you know, 80s. Lakers, Celtics, and of course, Pistons took it to a new level. But a team we haven't talked about, which is very, very indicative of you know their place in the basketball universe and sports universe now. Really, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, as I've stated on the show, I have spent you know ten days in San Antonio each of the past two years, twenty days total, working at the U.S. Army All American Bowl. I feel like I have a pretty good you know, insight into what the Spurs mean to San Antonio, classic NBA mid-sized city. And they're just one of the great teams in sports. They swept the Grizzlies. Nobody called for that. And I mean nobody. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, fans are finally standing up and saying, like, wow, this along with, say, the Patriots, the Detroit Red Wings, you know, maybe not quite the Yankees because it's so much longer. But if you go back 10, 20 years now, just a record of excellence that's just unmatched. Yeah, the Spurs, John, they're a, a throwback team. And they maybe they're not as athletic as, as some of these other teams, but they have skill. I mean, Tim Duncan, you don't think of someone flashy, but you think of high production. And, and then along with Tony Parker, who is, who's been um, becoming such an outstanding player this last decade, he, he provides that, you know, offensive spark. And, yep, you know, amazing. Gino- and Ginobili plays with that reckless style. <clears throat> yep. That, that trio, they're, they're excellent in the playoffs. They're, they're, you know, they've been to it many times, won under all kinds of conditions. And, it, you know, before you dethrone them, you really have to beat them. That's it. That's it. And, of course, they have the one common thread that, in my mind, runs through all these, the key thread of all these, you know, uh, sports organizations that win for the long haul, that being 10 years or more. Um, The head coach, you know, Popovich, Greg Popovich is just terrific. I mean, (laughs) you can choose to look at him any way you want. Like. (laughs) I love his one-word answers between quarters on, you know, you know I, obviously I'm right up here and literally standing in the shadow of Bill Belichick, who, uh, <laughs> as we know, has his own media strategy, and Popovich is right of that school. I mentioned the Red Wings, and, you know, they had Scotty Bowman, then followed by Mike Babcock, who I believe is an excellent coach, you know, mm-hmm. despite what happened this past week against the Blackhawks. <laughs> They're, these teams are all going to be in the hunt every year. The Spurs have been in the hunt every year. They may not win it every year, but it, 
I, I for one, am just thrilled to see them back in the finals. I, and again, I know that the city of San Antonio it just must be beside itself right now. Uh, oh yeah, he, you know that military style that he uses, his background, yep. and direct with his players. There's no nonsense. They don't have to look in a dictionary for to try to explain his his motivational tactics or his you know what he wants them to do out on the court. It's, it's direct, honest, and they respond. That's it, and you know we're coming up to the end of the show, so I'm just going to say something I've said very recently about the Patriots. I'm going to say it about the Spurs. Um, they've won four championships with Tim Duncan, but like I've said about the Patriots, I think for it to really, really be complete, and more so with the Patriots, I think, than the Spurs, they need to end it. Put the exclamation point on their, quote, dynasty by winning, in their case, the NBA championship, or in the Patriots' case, another Super Bowl. I'm not saying they either team needs it, but if either team gets it, and obviously the Spurs are looking at getting it potentially in the next two weeks, potentially against LeBron James uh, and the apparently, you know, the heretofore thought invincible heat. Uh, to, if they get it, each team, it'll be so much sweeter. I agree, John. It'll launch them on a, a different pedestal than these other teams. That's it. Right. The, they're, they will then be unquestioned dynasties that, you know, didn't just last, you know, four, you know, three out of four years for the Patriots, or four out of whatever it was, five or six years for the Spurs. They will both be viewed as long-term dynasties that stretched out over a decade. Oh yeah, it's, it's production at the highest level for the, a length of time, which equals dynasty. Exactly, exactly. And when you're talking a decade, it's hard to do. And you know, again, I mentioned coaching, but you know. You also got to throw in Tim Duncan and Tom Brady. So with that said, AP, thank you as always for your time. Great perspective again today. Thank you, John. And Voice America listeners, thanks for listening. And we'll do it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.